0: Can you take your Bibles? Let's talk to Jesus a little bit today and let's listen to him. We're going to start a new series today. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. We're in the gospel of Matthew. We're going to start out there today. And uh, we're going to set up our time um, as we begin this new series, Our Father. Um, and if while you're turning there, if I were to ask you a question in reference to prayer, let's just say if I were to ask you the question, What is prayer? I'm assuming, this is just me assuming, that most of us in this room or listening to my voice would probably answer that question by saying something like this. Prayer is talking to God. Is that a given? I mean, wouldn't you say that? Yeah, prayer is is talking to God. But I think what we're going to learn over these next several weeks as we look at prayer, that there's a lot more involved in prayer than just talking to God. And I think we're going to see that. It's It's a lot bigger than that. Um, I would assume that most of us learn to pray by listening to other people. As you know, I I don't know about you. I was blessed to grow up in a home where we prayed together. um, And I not only heard prayer, participated in prayer in my home. I I remember growing up in a church. I mean, I learned to pray listening to people. And at that moment in time, I learned at that season in life, there were some people that were better at praying than other people. Are Are you with me? Some people prayed long prayers and some people prayed short prayers. And I assumed that those people who prayed long prayers were better at those better praying than those with short prayers. And I'm gonna tell you a little story. I was laughing with my mom this past week when we were together. Uh, I had a sister, some of you know that, who had Down syndrome. Shay went to be with the Lord several years ago. She was in her 50s when she passed away. When when she was younger, we were growing up, we would sit in the back a lot of times. When dad was in the choir, we would sit in the back because we never knew when Shay might have to go to the bathroom or something would take place. She was always very verbal. Pastor would ask the question, she'd she'd answer him. You just never knew what might take place. But she liked to sit in the back because as soon as the pastor said amen or whoever was praying said amen, she'd be at the back door wanting to shake people's hands and hug their necks. That was just the way it was. But I remember this, this one Sunday specifically and, um, and, and where I grew up in the culture that I grew up, it was customary, Dave, for the pastor to say, brother Dave, why don't you just close us out in prayer this morning? And so brother Dave, whether or not he, you know, he'd stand up and he would pray, I don't know if it was sort of rigged. I don't know if it was prearranged and I don't know if that, but I can imagine some guys probably didn't come to church because they were afraid of Brother Bobby calling them out to pray at the end. You know, Ed, Brother Ed, would you please stand up and pray at the end of our service? Ed's like, I don't know about that. But I remember this one, this one Sunday and it's just etched in my mind. I don't remember exactly who, but I remember the incident and he asked this guy if he would pray, and so he began to pray, and he prayed, and he continued to pray, and he prayed some more and prayed a little bit longer, and he just kept continuing in praying. And finally, Shay stood up and she said, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the congregation's response was just about like yours. It wasn't that loud, but you could hear it. Psh- and so it was time for him to stop. That's what we see. He prayed long enough. <laughs> but you know, when we talk about prayer, how much of our prayer is consumed with asking God for things? We talk to God and we want to ask him, I need God, I need this, and I need this, I need this to take place. Will you make sure you fix this? And and um, but why do we spend so much time asking God for stuff instead of thanking him for all the blessings that we have? You know, I get it it's easy to it's easy to come before the Lord and ask him, especially in the issues of sickness and family tensions and stress that's going on and things at work or whatever it may be. It's easy to, all right, God, I need some help. Will you help me? I get it. I understand that. Um, you know, we have a habit of losing things around our house. I don't lose things around my house, but other people in my house lose things. So During the Christmas holidays, we've lost a TV turner, a remote control, as some of you would say. And I just happened to be, I'm glad that I wasn't there when it was lost. It didn't have anything to do with me, but there's been this conversation going about the TV turner, the remote control. Nobody knows where it is. And when we lose something around our house, whether it's keys or wallets or remote controls, You know, the thing is always that we ask, well, have you prayed about it? And my comment is, if you've prayed about it, ask the Lord to take care of it. If he doesn't take care of it, was something you must not have needed, so don't worry about it. So obviously the TV isn't something we need, so we can just get rid of it, right? That's not, doesn't go that way, does it? Anyway, well, then again, some people may not pray. Because some people maybe have prayed for something and you prayed for something really hard. You prayed for something that you really wanted. You prayed for something to happen and and, and instead of it happening, something worse took place. Maybe it was sickness and you were praying for something specifically, but it didn't take place. And as a result, you're questioning whether or not prayer even works or God exists. Are you with me? Or then maybe there's the issue of you just struggle to pray because you... You wrestle because you, am I doing things right? I don't know how to pray. I was in a conversation yesterday with somebody. They said, I, I, I struggle. I don't even know if I know how to pray with tears rolling down their face. Hence our conversation today. We're gonna go back to the word to see if Jesus had something that he could teach us in reference to this, this subject of prayer that would be helpful. And so here we are in Matthew chapter six. Jesus is assembled with some of his disciples maybe some others that are, that are gathered and they're listening in and the subject of prayer comes up. And, and this is what Jesus himself had to say about prayer. Okay, you ready to, to listen today? And so we're going to see some, okay, you don't do this, do this. And we're, we're going to see, and then Jesus is going to give us a, a pattern to pray that, that, that we can pray by. Um, and for us, this is, let me tell you where this goes. Some of you got this on the way in. There's a 31-day prayer God that we have created for us specifically. And this sort of kicks off 31 days of prayer, which will begin tomorrow. And uh, that we want to see how Jesus taught us to pray and see if we can implement this over these next 31 days. And so this is what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, uh, verse 5, as we begin. And he begins by this, when, when you pray, he didn't ask if you pray or they asked a question, but he, he said, when you pray. Now, when you look at the word prayer and you look at the word pray, that expression prayer, prayer is mentioned in 61 61 of the 66 books of the Bible that we find over 1,100 references to the expression of the word prayer. Um, And so prayer wasn't anything new. As a matter of fact, the the first reference to prayer that we find in the scriptures goes back to Genesis chapter 4 when it said the, the Bible says that they called out to the Lord. They called out on the name of the Lord. And so Jesus, when beginning to teach them how to pray, he says, when you pray, don't, and here's one of these don'ts, don't do not do what? Don't be like the hypocrites. Now the word hypocrite isn't something I don't think I need to define for you because you sort of got in your mind what it, what it is, but I'll define it for you anyway. It means a pretender. It means an imposter, somebody on stage, an actor. And I would say this, I don't think any one of us want, would like for somebody to say, well, I know them. And let me tell you, they're a hypocrite. I don't think that we want somebody to describe us in that manner, right? I mean, maybe you've even used that word to describe somebody else before, but that's definitely not the way you want somebody to describe you as being a a hypocrite. And Jesus went on to describe the actions of a hypocrite by saying this, those who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where people can see them. For Jesus to say this, obviously there was evidence that this had taken place before them. There were those that were doing just this. In that day and time, in our day and time, it may not be standing on the street corner. It may be a, a post that you make on social media. Are you with me? Just hang with me. And in referencing those that stand out on street corners to pray so others can see them, Jesus says or he gives the implication that there's a reward when he says, I tell you the truth, that there is a reward that they, that that is all the reward that they will ever get. And let's come back to that in just a second in reference to the rewards. And he goes on to say, but when you pray, here we are again, when you pray. And if you're like me, you've got lots of things to pray for, not only on behalf of yourself, but on behalf of others. And he says, when you pray, he gives these instructions, do this, go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. So don't do this. Don't be like a hypocrite. Don't pray out on the street corners in the public places. But he says, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your father in private. In other words, instead of prioritizing that which is out front, front, public prayer, being out in front of other people, what Jesus is saying is value your private time with God in behind the closed doors prioritize that. There's a picture, I think, maybe of Ralph and Sabine's prayer shack that they have on their property. And there, that prayer shack, it's a place that you can go and you can sit and be along with the Lord. And there are prayer requests that people have written there over periods of time, things that people are praying about, or it's a place for you to, to write on a card that you can put that up there and 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 pray about specific things. It's a place that you can go in private. It's not public. It is a public place, but it's a private place that you can spend time with the Lord. And then when we would prioritize that prayer time, this is what Jesus says. Then your father, your father, your daddy, who sees everything. That's really important. He sees everything. You know, I uh, it's easier for us to understand that God knows everything, but not only does he know everything, he sees everything. The word for God that, in, that it describes God um, is Elroy, the God who sees, he sees me. We get that from the Old Testament, from the story of Abraham and Sarah, when Sarah couldn't bear children and she gave Abraham her maidservant, Hagar. And when Hagar became pregnant with a child, Sarah became angry, go figure, okay? she became bitter and she became angry and she run Hagar off and she went into the wilderness and it was there she encountered the Lord. And in that encounter, um, she described the Lord as the one who sees, the one who looks after me, the one who knows everything about us. In the New Testament, the one who knows the numbers of hairs on our head. For some of us, that may be more than others. That's supposed to be funny. Y'all are supposed to laugh. But here we see that God just doesn't hear us, but he sees us, he sees me. And when we trust God enough to prioritize our time with him, God not only hears, not only sees, but he also rewards us. What does it say? He will reward you. He will reward you. Now, when we think about the reward part, we're probably thinking about God's gonna give us what we want. The things that we ask for, God's gonna answer those things. But if that were true, there would be some students in this room that would have better grades, amen? (laughs) there would be some adults in this room that would have bigger bank accounts amen but God doesn't always give us everything that we want or everything that we think there would be some people maybe not dealing with sickness but the reward that God gives us much bigger than that which we want and look at what he goes on to say in verse seven when you pray here's another one of those don'ts don't babble don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. The non-believers, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and, again and again and again and again and again and again It's like the long prayer. Jesus said, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Jesus is saying that because obviously there were some people that thought that if they used the right words and there were long enough words or enough words that their prayers would be answered and God would give them what they want. But Jesus said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't pray like that. Don't pray like that. It's not about the amount of words. It's not about using the right words. It's not about this specific formula. And then he says, for your father, your daddy, knows exactly what you need even before you ever ask him to which, this has always been confusing to me, to which I always would say, I think to myself, well, why pray then? I mean, if God already knows what we need before we ever speak it, why why pray? I mean, if God knows, why speak a word? Why is prayer such a big deal if he already knows what I need before I ever talk to him? And maybe that's why the disciples were so inquisitive. Maybe that's why the disciples, when they had an opportunity to approach Jesus about this subject of prayer, that they asked him, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Because as we watch you, there's something different about the way you pray. There's something different about the things that you ask for, the things that you talk about. Your prayers aren't centered around all the stuff that you want, but they're different. And Jesus said, look, instead of praying like that, this is what he says. And this is how he teaches us to pray. how to pray. Now, he said, pray like this. And what we're getting ready to read is something that I've heard over and over and over again since I was a little child. It was prayed in my home. It was prayed at school. Um, yes, at school. It was at church. But I remember at school when I, back in the, late, in, the, in the early 70s. You know, I grew up in the, in the context of a culture where in our, in our school classroom in in, in home homeroom that our teacher prayed with us. We were to recite the Lord's prayer every other, this is not a Christian school. This is in public school. And, uh, we recited the Lord's prayer every other day. The other day of the week, the other days we would recite the 10 commandments. And, um, and it's etched in my mind those words and i remember miss miss wallace one day somebody questioned you know why do you have those kids say the lord's prayer every day we don't believe that and she said well i do as long as you're in my class this is what we're gonna do because i want to teach my kids what's right and i remember that i'll never forget that um But this is what Jesus said when he was teaching us how to pray. Here it is. Our father, our father, that's a big word again. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I don't know how you begin your prayers. You know, I remember as a child, one of the prayers we learned was now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But Jesus, when teaching us how to pray, he began... Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. In other words, at the beginning of our time, may we acknowledge the greatness of who God is, his power and his majesty. Up front, Jesus teaches the importance to recognize and remember who we're praying to and just how big and awesome God is. Because when we do that, when we recognize the awesomeness and the bigness and the largeness and the majesty, and uh, the sovereignty of God, that he is the creator of all things. Everything else pales in comparison. Amen? Everything else pales in comparison. There's a change of perspective that happens when we recognize to whom we are approaching. And to think that we have the privilege of addressing our father. Now, in that context, it would have meant honor and respect, authority, a sense of trust which may be foreign to some of us in this room because when you mention the word uh, father, it's not trust, it's not um, sovereignty, it's not power, it's, it's, it's not any of those things. As a matter of fact, to mention the word father to some people these days is offensive because of what they've experienced on this earth. That's not what's being said here. To hear, to call out to our father is to recognize, honor, and respect and trust that we can trust him. Might be foreign for for you to have a relationship it 's difficult for how can you have a relationship with an earthly with a heavenly father when you don 't have one with an earthly father it 's difficult for that trust to be there and listen to what Jesus goes on to say next. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we can 't when we recognize that God is in in charge when he is large and in charge um, Uh, It can be easy to walk uh, in life up until that point thinking that we're the ones that's in control. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. But when you come to recognize God's sovereignty and power, it's a whole lot easier to to take a back seat and say, Lord, whatever you want to do. See, you can't submit and surrender your life to the Lord until you come to recognize his power and authority, his sovereignty and his might. I, I, there's no way. It's impossible for you to have a relationship with God without first recognizing to what you were submitting and whom you were submitting to in his power. But when you come to recognize that, that submission and, that submission and surrender comes, comes so much easier. Um, and Jesus says, listen. Before we can talk to God about all the stuff that we need or we're wanting, it's vital for us to get to that place that regardless of what might be going on in and around us, that what's really on our mind is, okay, God, because of who you are, I recognize who you are. And Lord, because of that, whatever you want to do, I'm in. Whatever your plan might be, I'm I'm in on that. And because of your power and because of your might, I believe that what you've got going on is a whole lot more important than what I've got going on. That your plan is much more important than my plan. And I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I trust you in the middle of this. But how many times have our prayers centered around trying to get God to do something for us? The only problem is I don't see this model in the scriptures anywhere that's pointed out. But it's different. Instead, we see in the story of Jesus when he's standing over the tomb of Lazarus who'd been dead for four days. I mean, it wasn't something that was long and drawn out that Jesus prayed, but it was something very simple and to the point. And then John recorded the words of Jesus when he he recorded the words in John 11, Father, thank you for hearing me. This is Jesus standing there at the tomb. Lazarus has been dead for four days. And he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say it out loud for those people that are standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he did. It was done. On the other hand, you see Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 when he's in the garden. He's in the garden of Gethsemane all night long and he was wrestling and he wrestled there praying until he came to the place of saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Which reminds me this morning of this, that how many times of our prayers, just a reminder that we are dependent on the Lord and that we are ready for action. But there are those times There are those times when times are tough. There are those times when there's suffering. There's times when there's trials and there's times when there's difficulties and that surrender to the Lord may not be as easy. Your prayer time may not be as sweet nor may it be as simple. And at that moment, at that moment, we need to be willing to press through our fears and press through those times of suffering to get to that place to say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but Lord, I'm holding on and I'm trusting. I'm trusting in you, not my will, but yours be done. And I say that because I've been there in that place when it didn't make sense. I've been there when I've wrestled and I've struggled with the Lord and it wasn't necessarily going the way that I thought it would. There are the things that we pray about. Then they're the things that we wrestle through. They're the things that we wrestle through and we know in our mind what God's will is, but we just don't want to do it. You with me? There are those things that we, we know maybe what God's plan is because we know what the heart of God is because we've read it and we know the scripture. But our desire at that moment in time is not to embrace what God's will is. We want to do something different. We don't like it. We bow up and we go, I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to be involved in that. It's too painful. It hurts too much. Somebody offends you. Somebody wrongs you. Somebody hurts you. And as a believer, you know exactly what the word has to say about forgiveness. But don't we find it a whole lot easier to retaliate? Absolutely. I mean, man, tit for tat, you did me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. But what's the deciding factor to move us from where we are, what we feel like wanting to do to maybe what we want to do to what God's word said we should do and being obedient to the Lord to get to that place of saying, Lord, not my will, but I'm going to set it aside because your stuff is more important than my stuff. And see, that's a defining moment in our lives. That is a defining moment in our lives and in our faith journey when we come to the place of knowing what God has to say, not wanting to do it, and yet saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this because you're bigger than I am. See, I'm going to recognize, I'm going to submit and surrender, and I'm going to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to do it. I think that Jesus is trying to teach us that our prayer time isn't just a time to remind us that God is in charge and also a place of surrender, but it's also a decision time because the purpose of prayer, according to Jesus, is to realign our lives, our hearts, so that they parallel our heavenly fathers. Imagine what it would like, be like to get up in the morning with the attitude and the posture of the heart that says, Lord, you're great. And because of that, man, I'm in. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. I trust you. I trust you. And when we pray like that, there's something that happens. There is a reward that takes place. That reward, even though we may not understand it, God, I may not understand what I'm walking through. It's not really what I want, but I'm holding on and I'm trusting you. I'm submissive to you because I believe you. I trust you. And one of the benefits of living in that place and wrestling at that time is even though there may be chaos going on all around us, there's a sense of peace. And rest that comes because we believe that God is large and in charge. And I don't have to be in control. He is. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy at all. And I'm not saying it's stressful. But it is a safe place to be. When we come to the place to acknowledge who we're talking to, we proclaim God's greatness, His power, and majesty. We surrender our will. What we do is then we position our hearts to be dependent, to declare our dependence on Him. Jesus tells us here, there's some things specifically we can pray about. Look at there at verse 11. Give us today the food that we need. For the Jews listening, for those that would have been there, it would have been a reminder that God is our provider. You know how He provided for them, He provided for their ancestors. But here He is, I don't think the issue, even though the the word food is used, I don't think it's as much about food as it about resources. And for us coming to the understanding that God is our provider, period, for everything that we have, who is our provider? Who is our provider? You need to be reminded of that. And every time something happens, you need to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Over the past several years, I've from my mouth, it's become, thank you, Jesus. Even in the difficult times, thank you, Jesus. Because I know you're at work and I trust you. Thank you, Jesus. You are my provider. It was God's provision that sustained them day after day. and It is God's provision that will sustain us day after day. Verse 12, forgive us our sins and we have forgiven those who sin against us. That I'm not just going to thank God for his provision, but I'm also going to thank him for his pardon. That when I'm praying, I'm not just going to be reminded of my sin, but I'm going to be reminded of my need to go to God and to ask him for forgiveness. And then when we experience the depth of God's love, we have the ability to extend that forgiveness onto others who were in the same place that we once were. That when I pray, I'm going to be reminded to pardon others who have hurt me or wronged me that I won't just be reminded of his mercy, but I will be reminded of the gift of receiving that mercy and the privilege we have to extend mercy to others. And then he says in verse 13, and do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Prayer isn't just about talking to God and asking him for forgiveness, but it's an opportunity also for us to go to God and say, God, I don't want to go down the same path anymore. I don't want to go down that path anymore. I don't want to walk away from you. I want to walk towards you. Our prayer time isn't just a time to confess our sin and say, God, will you forgive me? But it's an an opportunity for us to ask God to protect us because we know that we don't want to do dumb stuff any longer. Anybody ever done dumb stuff? This is the year, no more dumbness. No more dumbness. No more dumb people, right? I don't want to do that stuff anymore. But God, what I want to do is I want to follow you. I want to do what's right. So I need your protection because I know that the enemy wants to destroy me. So I'm going to go before the Lord and not just talk to him about provision and not just talk to him about pardon. But I want to go say, Lord, I need your protection as well. I need your protection because I know the enemy wants to destroy me. If you want to continue walking down the same pathway, If you want to continue living a lifestyle of disobedience, why do you pray? No need in praying. Man, if that's the direction that you're heading, don't pray. It's not going to do you any good. Don't pray just because you get caught or because you're sorry for what you've done. But pray when you're tired of sinning. Amen? I need your help. And then finishing up, most of us have finished out and you heard it earlier when you recited the Lord's prayer for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we don't find that in the translations except for the King James version. So where did it come from? They believe that not in the early manuscripts. It was later mentioned, I think a couple times in some later manuscripts. There's no proof why it's there, why it's not there. But most theologians believe that it was placed there as like a doxology, like a period, like an exclamation point, like the ending. Because if you go and look, Jesus goes right into talking about forgiveness and fasting What's, what's here for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, doesn't take away at all from what Jesus had to say, but it was almost like a reviewing of what Jesus had already said. And regardless if Jesus said it or not, doesn't take away anything, but it adds to the majesty of God. And it was an ending to Jesus teaching us how to pray. And so if we were to go back and look and review what Jesus, how he taught us to pray, to recognize who we're praying to and the awesome power of God, And then recognizing that it's a whole lot easier for us to submit and surrender our lives saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And then thirdly, to declare our dependence on him for everything, for, um, for everything, for our provision, for our pardon, as well as our protection. And here's the point, the point of prayer. It's not just a time for us to cry out to God and ask him for help. But it's a recognition of who's large and in charge. And because of that, I can surrender to him. And as a result of that, I can trust him. You know why? Because he's my daddy and he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. It's hard for us to trust him if we don't know him. But once you get to know him and you walk with him, you can trust him. I've often said, we say it, faith isn't faith until it's tested. Until it's tested. So over the next 31 days, we're going to be committed prayerfully to pray. Um, Some of you may have received this card when you came in. This was specifically put together for us as a church family. We wrote this out. We designed this. There were specific things in here for us corporately as well as personally. And we will begin tomorrow with Psalms 51, create of me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me as we pray for spiritual renewal um, and spiritual growth. And so um, this is is what we will do over the next month. And we'll try to encourage you guys. And just like we did when we were walking through Proverbs, I want to encourage you To be very public, not because it's about you, but I want it to be about Jesus. And if you feel like, man, that the Lord would have you post something not about you, not to bring attention to you, but bring attention to the Lord, I want you to use social media to do that. What some social media can be to the negative, it can also be to the positive there. Social media can be used um, to, to, to have an impact on the lives of people. Amen? But a lot of times we don't use it that we like to take pictures of ourselves. If you ever see me take a picture of myself and put it on there, y'all, somebody come and knock me upside the head. <laughs> I wonder how much time is spent taking pictures of ourselves, you know, by my, my, I, me and my kids, we get on each other about that kind of stuff. But we gave you a pattern. I was talking to Caleb several months ago and, uh, we were talking about a class that he was in and the pattern that they had given them, an acronym for prayer, um, was to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield. And we've used that, Caleb. I used that based on our conversation. There's a lot of things we could do. I thought, well, that's new. We'll do that. Pause, take a moment to recognize who you're praying to, what you're praying for. Um, rejoice. How about spending some time thanking God for all the things he's already done? Ask. Listen, it's not bad to ask. Man, you can go before the Lord and talk to him about anything and everything. You know, you can have a relationship with your father and you can have conversations about anything and everything and you feel comfortable. You go before him and ask. But that last thing is yield, be willing to yield to say, Lord, this is what I'm asking for, but whatever you want to do, it's your will be done, not mine. So the next 31 days is an opportunity for us to join together corporately as well as individually and to pray, pray together to be focused and move ahead. I want to encourage you guys are some things that will be happening Over the next couple of weeks, I shared with you the other day, this house should be coming down this week. Um, So that you know, you may not know this, we have been without internet um, for the past week and a half since December the 22nd because the lines were cut and they've not been able to put it in yet. You need to thank our tech people from getting things up and running I mean, this happened right before our Christmas Eve services, and they did an incredible job trying to get things the way that we were. Drew, you and Paul, and all of you guys, man, thank you so much. <laughs> if they're supposed to be putting in a temporary line this afternoon to help us because we have no internet down downstairs uh, in the staff areas at all. So if you're trying to reach us, just know that. Give us a call. We'll try to communicate with you. Um, But things could be slow for the next couple of days. It depends on how long it takes them to get things up and running. Uh, There's a meeting this week about the renovations over here and what's going to be taking place on the second floor. And that'll start as soon as we can come up with a time schedule. But that's ready to go. Um, We will start back midweek on January the 10th. And on that, that 10th, youth and children will begin back. Be in prayer for our college students. They leave this week. Um, Our high school seniors and college students will be leaving to go to Passion. And then the following weekend after that, which is a week after, on the 14th, 13th, and 14th, we have high school students that are headed off to uh, the weekend conference. There's a lot of things happening. Pray for Michael and Chrissy and that team of adults as they're working. There's just a lot of stuff happening. But on the night that we begin back with men and women, We'll be given directions about where that's going to be taking place. Uh, We will start out with two weeks focusing on prayer. And then we'll get back into the book of John where we left off last time. Um, you, You may not be like Danielle cutting hair. Who had an influence in Brian Bernier's life that would be open up a door for him to hear Jesus's voice. But I wonder over this next year whose life you're going to impact because they see Jesus in you. How will you be an instrument of God's peace over this next year so that someone else will come to know Christ? That that will be on your heart and mind over these next 365 days plus. Jesus, how are you using me to impact the lives of others? Because we don't have to go overseas to find people who don't know Christ. They're our next-door neighbors. They're the people that we work with. They're the students that we go to school with. Kids, students, man, I challenge you, whether it's in college or high school or middle school or elementary, wherever you are, be a light for Jesus. Show me one kid that wants to live for Jesus, and I'll show you a school that can be changed. Show me one teacher that's willing to stand up and be be what God's called them to be in the classroom and as an administrator, and I'll show you a a school that can be changed. Show me a business where a business owner or or workers want to be worthy of their hire and they want to live as Jesus called us to live, and I'll show you a business. Show me that it can be changed. Show me a community where people want to live for Jesus, and I'll show you a community that will be changed and not just do church on Sunday morning. Are you with me? God's called us to penetrate the darkness, not to reside in it, but to to penetrate it. Father, I'm thankful for the privilege we have gathering in this space. I'm I'm privileged to be part of this community that's called Heritage. And Lord, there's a reason for our name. May we live up to that. May we understand the opportunity of impact that we have. Lord, as we gather to pray, may we be reminded of the points that we've talked about today. As we walk out these doors this morning, help us to understand the significant role that we play in being part of what you're doing in here and around us, not just around the world. Thank you for the generosity of this people. Lord, may we be excited about what you're doing and may we be listening for your footsteps around the world, God, as the gospel is penetrating the darkness. Bless us now as we go, and Lord, for the person that may be here today that doesn't know you, maybe maybe today would be that day that they say no more. I want to give my life to Jesus. And if that person is here today, Lord, I just ask today that they'll, they'll kneel, that they'll come to that place, that they'll whisper those words or even shout to the top of their lungs, Jesus. I don't wanna live this way anymore, but I wanna give my life to you. I believe what you did for me, that you died on a cross for me. And today I wanna give my life to you. I wanna surrender my life to you because I recognize that you're great, you're mighty, you're awesome, and you're sovereign. I want to trust you and submit my life to you today. And if there's someone here today that's listening to my voice this morning before they leave this place, would they come to me and say, Sid, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Bless us now as we leave. May we be committed to this time of prayer as we focus together over these next 31 days as we listen for your voice and ask how do you want us to respond in Jesus' name.